to basics, y'all. Back to basics, back to basics, teaching you truth that you really need to know. Back to basics, back to basics, talking about the church, living life to the fullest. God. So this sermon series is like eight weeks. I have a feeling that that's never going to get old, though. (laughs) Well, guys, welcome back to Thrive. Um, Last week, we started off our sermon series, Back to Basics, and we talked all about the Word of God. Uh, We knew that uh, you wouldn't take much credit for this whole series if you didn't believe what we were talking about, because we're going to be using Scripture for every message to validate what we're talking about. But if you don't believe Scripture is truth, then... We're kind of off on a shaky start. Uh, So we started there, and I challenged you guys to do something. How many of you guys actually remember to do your homework? Raise your hand. Oh, oof. Ouch. I'm just saying, think about this. I thought about this on my way over here. Think about this. So there's 24 hours in a day. I challenged you to read your Bible for 30 minutes. So you only failed God 48 times every day. Uh, you just keep that in the back of your mind for this next week, because I think you can do it this week a little bit better. Deal? If you weren't here, the challenge was to read your Bible every day for 30 minutes. Uh, so that challenge is still on, guys, because I think it'll really help us um, grow and understand what we're talking about more deeply. Like Chris said, tonight we're talking about God. And God is one of those things that's really difficult to talk about because He is so far past our understanding. Uh, It says in the book of Isaiah that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And so often we try to understand him and put him in a box and say that he's this or that or the other. And I just want you to know tonight that no matter how many things I say to try to describe the Trinity, to try to describe God, there are no words that can accurately depict how great and glorious our God truly is. Um, So know that going into it. But with that being said, I'm going to do the best that I can to help us understand um, two things. One, why we call God God. And two, how these three parts of one whole uh, work together. Before we get started, would you guys pray with me? God, thank you so much for tonight. And thank you for for, uh, being able to watch Grace um, just worship God. That was really something special to see her heart. Uh, God, thank you for every person that's in this room. Uh, that you've brought tonight here for a reason and for a purpose. God, we want to thank you for the moms in this this room. Um, Moms are truly something special, not just because we wouldn't be here without them, uh, but because they're truly your tools to show unconditional love, probably better than anyone else. Uh, So thank you for that, God. As we look at this message and we try to understand you, uh, may you give us wisdom, may you give us clarity, and ultimately, um, overall, may you just give us peace that even if we can't completely understand you, that we trust you fully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first part of what I want to talk about tonight is, why do we call God, God? Um, there's a lot of things in our life that we call God with a little g. Okay, we call it God with a little g because it's not something that's holy or reverent. It's not a name of something. Uh, It's really easy for us to make intelligence our God. It's really easy for us to make money our God. It's really easy for us to make relationships with people or um, their acceptance our God. And it's really easy to make ourselves Lord of our own lives. Uh, But why we call God God is because he's higher than us. He's greater than us and he's smarter than us. Uh, Now, theologically, some fancy Christianity words that get thrown around all the time that we're expected to know uh, put it like this. There's three words that I want to look at tonight. 
The first word is omnipotent. We know that God is omnipotent. Now, the word omnipotent means all-powerful. Basically, what this means is there's no uh, creation. There's no angel, demon, principality, person, animal. There's nothing that is stronger or more powerful than our God. That's something that I think we have to understand and remind ourselves of. Because when we hold on to that strength and that truth, it fills us. And it kind of makes you feel like, yep, he's on my team. You know, it's like when you get on the basketball team and you're picking teams and the captain that you know is the best player, you want to be on his team. And if you're a Christian in the room tonight, we have the best player in the league on our team. The second word is omnipresent. Omnipresent. And that word means all-knowing. Now this one for me is really hard um, because I don't like remembering that God knows everything about me. Uh, God knows where you've been, what you've done, what you'll do, who you are. God knows those things you try to push down and hide inside yourself. And it's good for us as Christians and as a church to remember that he is all-knowing because it helps us understand two things. The first thing that it does is it helps us understand that God has a plan for our life and he knows better than us. He knows how everything works and is supposed to flow and go. He knows everything better than us. But the second thing is it's a beautiful way for us to have accountability in our life. I heard it said one time in Transitions, I think it was Bethany that said it, but it's kind of one of those things where you have a little man on your shoulder constantly, and you put yourself in situations, and you go, okay, well, God's right here, and he's watching me, and do I really want to do that? And God gives us accountability. See, the thing with accountability is it doesn't work unless you're honest, and we know that God is a God of truth, and that's all that he can have is truth. He can't be a part of sin or anything sinful, and so he forces us to be truthful, He forces us to be vulnerable and intimate and see those pieces of us. And for a lot of us, that's really a problem because we have some real intimacy issues as a whole culture. That's why we have shallow relationships. We have a difficult time allowing people to see who we really are. But I think God wants us to have those intimate relationships because that's what he wants with us. As much as he knows us and knows the hairs on our head and knows us by name, he wants us to know him that way. And he wants us to know each other that way. And so I want to reiterate that our slogan here at Thrive is, be real. Be real. It's the very first phrase in in the whole um, saying is, be real. This is a place where you can be honest and open and transparent because that's the kind of relationships that God desires and designed. The third Christian word that I want to look at uh, that I think is important for us to understand is omnipresent. Omnipresent. That word basically means God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Just like he's with us in this room right now, he's at the church down the road. um, And he sees all things, and he's in all things, and he is everywhere. He's everywhere. Scripture says, where two or more gathered, so the Lord is also. And so where do we get this word, Trinity? Holy Trinity, these three parts working together as one God. Um, This word actually is not in the Bible at all. Uh, But the word trinity, broken down, is tri, meaning three, and unity, meaning together. So that's where you get the word trinity, tri-unity. And this was actually a a word that a man by the name of Arabius gave to describe God in 100 A.D., so 180 years after Jesus' death. Uh, There's scripture, though, that backs up this idea of one God, three parts. And I want to just go through a few of them, uh, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, I'm going to turn around because I'm blind. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God, three parts. And then we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, another example of how these three parts work together. And it says this, it says, Then God said, Let us, listen to this, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So we see two words there, us and our Again, we see this idea of three parts working together in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. It says this. It says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Again, another example is in Genesis chapter 11, verse 7. And it says, Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. What had happened here in Scripture, if you're wondering, because that's kind of confusing, is there was this Tower of Babel when people were trying to uh, build a way to get up to God and reach Him. And so He divided them and separated them and gave them different languages. But it says, come, let us go down. So we see Scripture after Scripture that backs this idea of three parts, one whole. And the most beautiful image, I think, in all of Scripture is in Matthew chapter 3. Um, You guys might not know what to read for your 30 minutes. I encourage you to read Matthew chapter 3 as part of that. Uh, But just to summarize, Matthew chapter 3 is where Jesus gets baptized. And we see this awesome image of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because it says when Jesus was baptized that a dove descended. And God said, that's my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so we see all three parts in this situation. We see Jesus, obviously, the one being baptized, We see the Holy Spirit represented as a dove, the joy of God the Father to God the Son. Um, Sometimes people say that the Holy Spirit is looked at as the voice of God. And then we see God the Father looking down on his Son saying, that's my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so we see that these three parts work perfectly together. In Matthew chapter 28, that's the next thing if you want to jot it down on your phone, you can read the next chapter. But it says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the word the is a singular word. It means one. But then it lists three things. So this whole idea of the Trinity is extremely confusing. Uh, I heard it said one time by a pastor that you can try to explain the Trinity or you can save yourself on the Advil. It's not something that's easily comprehended. And because of that, we get all of these false ideas of what Christianity is and what to believe about God. And I want to go through some of the things that the Trinity is not. Um, So follow follow along, and if you want to take notes, that would be great. But the first one that the Trinity is not is this. The Trinity is not tritheism. That sounds like a fancy word, but again, that word tri, and then theism. So tritheism is the belief system that God is three separate people. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's sort of like a board of uh, counselees or a group of trustees or deacons at a church. It's dividing the unity that God intended when he brought them all together as one. God is one in three, not three separate entities. Another belief that's pretty popular is modelism. And the reason that modelism is false is because modelism is the belief that sometimes God is the Holy Spirit. 
sometimes God is God the Father, and sometimes God is Jesus. And the reason that this can't possibly be true is because if that were true, that would mean that when Jesus was on earth, God wasn't reigning in heaven. And we know that not to be a fact because of Scripture. The last belief that's um, kind of common, actually, is this word that's really big and fancy called subordinationalism. See, I told you it's hard. Subordinationalism. Subordinationalism is the belief that there is a ranking system between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's the belief that God the Father is the most powerful. God the Son is right underneath with the Holy Spirit being at the bottom um, because it's the last thing that's talked about when we see the progression of the gospel in Scripture. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that. It's one of those things where if I ask you the question, do you believe that God is perfect and holy, what would your answer be? Do you believe that Jesus is perfect and holy? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is perfect and holy? You see, we can't possibly rank three things that are all perfect and holy. And so many times uh, people believe that, and they get this wrong idea of what the Trinity truly looks like. You see, I believe that God is a God who hates math because he's constantly doing it different than how we've done it. Um, We want to do one plus one plus one when we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But God does one times one times one. Three separate numbers, but the result, the answer is still one. Three parts, one God. I've heard this uh, image of the Trinity described in a lot of different ways. And I was researching some to try to uh, help explain this concept. And one of the things that I read said, the Trinity is like a warm apple pie. And I was like, okay, I guess I can get on with that. And and, uh, I said, that's the tastiest example I've ever read. Uh, But basically what they were saying was, it's like the father is the crust, the uh, strong figure. The the filling, you know, the gooey stuff is like the Holy Spirit, and the apples are Jesus, the, the fleshly image of God. And the way that I see it is, I see three cylinders. And you take this pitcher of water, and you pour it into each of the cylinders. And one is blue, one is green, and one is orange. Each one appears to be different. But at the end of the day, that's H2O in all three containers. Three parts, one God. Three parts, one God. You see, God is so big that there's truly no earthly illustration perfect for describing who he is. We can try all day to do so, but we'll fail every single time. There's a really, really good video that I want you guys to watch. So I want to watch everybody put this in their phone because it's awesome. It was a little too long for us to play it tonight. It's like five and a half minutes. Uh, But go home and watch this on YouTube. It's a man by the name of Propaganda. So type in your phone, Propaganda, and then type in Gospel. Propaganda Gospel. Propaganda is a guy who has used his gift and uh, ministered to people through spoken uh, word or slam poetry. And so it's kind of like rap, um, but it's poetry. It's really, really good. And uh, just to summarize this video that I ask you to watch, basically he spends six minutes describing exactly what the gospel is. And the gospel is an image of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in perfect unity. From the very beginning, we see in creation, in the book of Genesis, God breathing life into the world. God breathing life into existence. And then we see the fall of man. We see Adam sin in the garden and Eve sin in the garden and bring that sin into God's perfect world. And so because of that, there's this blemish, there's this pain, there's this new thing introduced that has to be paid for. And it's a debt that's too high for you and I to pay. You know, we try to do works and we try to do things and we show our awards and our accolades and our good deeds and it doesn't amount to nothing compared to the work of God and who he is. 
We try to write a check for something that we can't pay for, and our check bounces. And so God knew that that was going to happen, and so he sent his son down on earth, Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh. You know, I often think about that. Jesus is a man who is fully man but fully God, and I think the reason he did that is because he understood that sometimes people can be arrogant. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding things, and and we're quick to say, well, he doesn't know because he didn't go through what I went through. He hasn't walked in my shoes. He can't possibly understand me. And so he said, you know what? Fine. I'll walk in your shoes, and I'll show you how to do it right. And I'll teach people to do it right, too, that you can learn from and experience. That's why he has his disciples and the apostles for us to look to as models of morality, as people to say, you know what? They did it, so I can, too. And so then we see Jesus die on a cross, being tortured, spit at. Nails drug into his hands and feet. A payment for our sin. A price that we couldn't possibly pay for ourselves. So we've seen God the Father and we've seen Jesus Christ. Before he died, before that death, he told his disciples, I'm leaving you, but it's okay because something else is coming. That something else was the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit will be with us. You know, I think about the Holy Spirit sometimes and people say it kind of like this, you know, it's kind of like, Uh, what we call um, that voice in the back of our head that says, oh, this is really a bad idea. Oh, I really probably shouldn't do that. Uh, What that is for Christians is a word called conviction. It's God convicting us through the Holy Spirit. And we sing songs like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. We're longing to know you more. We're longing to know you more. And so the Holy Spirit is God's way of dwelling with us. The Holy Spirit is in this room right now, and it's his way of communicating things to us, whether that's convicting us of our sin so that we repent and redirect to protect us, or just our way of being able to be with him and dwell with our dad, our father. Three parts, one God. And so we see this story of the gospel, and the way that propaganda words this is he says that the word gospel is an acronym, God offering sacrifice Uh, God offering a sacrifice for people everywhere, all lives. And so he breaks it down like that. And basically what he's saying is this gospel thing, this God thing, is for everyone. It's not just for the people who come to church with their suit coats on and people that got their life together and the people who aren't struggling with addiction problems or the people who are the upper class white people. But the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone to come into the presence of God and be filled with his power and strength and to know him, and to know him fully and completely. We see an image here also that I want to look at when we look at the Trinity, and it's this. We have to believe that God is three in one, and so all three parts have existed for all time. There was no beginning, no end. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit have existed for all time. And so I think that gives us an awesome image because we are trying to live our lives according to God's character and who God is and the things that Jesus did while he was here and all of those things. And so I think God was saying right off the bat, before time even existed, I want you to do things in community because that's what he did. God was never alone. God had genuine, authentic community and friendship. And so like I said, I want to reiterate, I know we say this a lot here, but we mean it. This is a place to be real Be loved and belong. God has called us to a place to be with like-minded people, to grow, to be honest, to get real. God is perfect, and so he can't hide from himself. 
And so there's complete honesty and vulnerability there. And that's the kind of community that he's called us into tonight. That's what he's reaching for when he calls us into that. And I don't think anybody in this room is here by accident. You know, it's no uh, lie that our church right now is struggling. Um, You'll hear from Chris a little bit later, but we're, we're going through a transitioning period where a new season of life is about to start for our church, if you don't know already. And it's hard. It's ugly. And this is the time when we need to come together as a family and have that genuine relationship with each other. Where we need to be honest with one another and build into each other and hold each other up and work together. This is a time for us to look at what God called community and cling to that unity. And cling to that unity. Um, So I know that tonight's message was kind of short, but it's a lot to chew on and it's a lot to swallow. And like I said, uh, God is so big that it's hard to put into words. And so here's what I want you guys to do tonight. Like last week, I got a little bit of homework for you. I want you to take some time this week and sit down. And I want you to write down on a piece of paper, Dear God, and write on that piece of paper everything that God is to you. Do this, because I did this um, just recently, and it was kind of amazing to me to see how my perspective changed. My perspective changed in a lot of ways because I started writing and I started thinking about who he really was. And I was reminded of all the works that he's done in my life. I was reminded of his power. And then I started seeing, oh, well, hey, that was a Jesus moment. And that was a Holy Spirit moment. And that was a God the Father moment. That was a moment where he came to me and and he said, you know what? I'm going to correct you because I love you like a father. Or that was a moment where I said, oh, he's done that. I can trust him. Or a moment during worship where I felt like, God was just in it and with me, and it broke me, and I cried, and it it was an amazing experience to do, so I challenge you to do that, because I think it'll make God more real in your life. See, God was a man. God was a person in Jesus, and so if God was a person, it means that he can be personal. And so would you allow God to be personal in your life? Would you claim him as your God, as your Father? I think that'll be a game changer for all of us. As the band comes back up to the stage, I just want to pray for us. God, we have a lot to learn about you, and our scope is so limited. And I feel like you are constantly revealing new truths about yourself and more little nuggets of your glory and your wisdom and who you are and your character. And so, God, as we look at God being omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, may we understand these words and may they help us realize how big you really are. God, may we see every circumstance and situation as an opportunity to grow and know you. God, we know that you are God the Father who who loves us and corrects us and leads us and guides us. You're the perfect role model. And God, right now I want to pray for this congregation because there might be a few people in the room who are bitter about that. They have a hang-up about that because they've had a bad father. And so their idea of you is skewed and messed up. God, would you help them understand that you are a perfect father who never lets people down, who always follows through with promises, who is invested and constant. And may they come to know a father who is good in their life. God, we know that you were Jesus Christ and that you lived a blameless life, but you were also fully man, and so you suffered and you faced temptation just like all of us. And so may we hold on to that. May we lean into that supernatural strength so we can get through the day without messing up. 
may we remember that you offer redemption and restoration because you paid the price for our sin. And you offer grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so every single day, let us start fresh and new, not holding on to the things of the past, but being repentant and saying, you know what? God's mercies are new for me today. And I choose joy. I choose to deny my flesh and myself and to carry my cross like Jesus. I choose to live a life that looks like the Christian life, not just an an average person. I wanna look different. I want my life to be something more. I don't wanna just go through the motions. God, we know that you are the Holy Spirit in this place right now, flooding our hearts and filling us with you and, and your strength, God, and your peace. May we experience your Holy Spirit throughout the rest of this week in all circumstances and moments. And may we take the time to just pause and be still and know that you are God. To just listen to your voice and the things that you're saying to us, the ways that you're guiding us and and encouraging us and building into us. And may we allow those things to fill us up in ways that we can choose joy. May we allow your Holy Spirit to be the fuel that drives us and burns a passion in our hearts. God, we want to thank you for all that you are and all that you do. And I can't help but pray this prayer right now for every person in the room, if they don't know you personally and intimately, that they might come to know you right now. If that's you in the room, if you don't know God as your personal Savior, I just want to tell you that you can know him. And he's not just a name or or, or a person or, or an idea or a ruler or a strict king, but he's a person who wants to know you intimately and be your friend. Someone who wants to correct and guide, but also someone who wants to to lift you up and be there with you and laugh with you. And you can receive him tonight. All you have to do is say, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. God, I know that I am broken and I know that I make mistakes and I fail you every single day. And so I know that you had to pay the price for me. And so I'm asking you tonight to come into my life and wreck my world and change it and make it better and make me a better person, a person who can truly say that he is made in your image and a child of the one true king and stand justified on the day of judgment. If that's you in the room, all you have to do is pray that prayer. All you have to do is say, God, I need you. Admit that you're a sinner who just needs God to to reconcile and redeem those broken pieces of you. You can do that right now tonight. God, thank you for your grace and your love. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So during this time of invitation, we have the communion. And I know we hit on the communion every time, but I love communion because it's a sacrament. Communion is a way to tangibly hold and feel God. The bread or the cracker represents his body broken for you and for me. And the cup, his blood that poured out and blotted out all of our sin. Would you take communion tonight and celebrate what he did for you and for me? He's redeemed us. That's what our God is, is a redeemer. During this time, the altar is open. If you just need to come and pray about what's going on in your life, there's plenty of people who are willing to pray with you. Just come down here and ask or pray by yourself and have time alone or in your pew. It doesn't matter. But if you feel like you need to get something off your chest, don't take it out those doors with you. Leave it here. If you have a decision that you've made tonight, feel free to walk forward and talk to me about it. Whatever it is during this time, feel free to just respond however God's calling.